Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Now on SportsCenter at 6. The Patriots are saying united they stand. But does tension in New England mark the beginning of the end for Brady, Belichick, and Kraft? A long-term commitment is coming for the Raiders. The latest on John Gruden's record-breaking contract. Plus, countdown to the college football championship. Power versus power. The Georgia offense or the Alabama defense. College game day answers which unit has the upper hand. Here's Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. What's good? Welcome to a Feel Good Friday edition of The Six. Feels fitting that the Patriots and Raiders are sharing a news cycle given how different the past two decades and all the principal parties might look if not for the tuck rule. We'll get to the uncertain future of the dynasty, that unforgettable moment in history helped build in a bit, but first, full circle. Chucky, part two. There's secure in the bag and then there's this. Great get as you're getting ready to move to Vegas. Good for Gruden. And it's great that Raider Nation is excited. But I've seen my share of coaches and I have yet even if his scheme is great and sparks shot out of the man's mouth and the cannons bled and the mountains crumbled and the seas roared, no 500 coach in his last gig is worth $100 million. No coach. <laughs> I like to meet that coach and put it on layaway. I think Eddie Murphy would agree. This deal feels like basically a marriage without a prenup. Am I right? You are correct. Was that a pretty good Eddie Murphy? That was a very good one. I will have Eddie. I want what's coming to me. 170 or is 170 cents. No, we have, now we have $300 million and $70. That's what it is, $300 million. Adam Schefter, uh, you told us the other day that John Gruden's deal would be gargantuan. I'll say more guaranteed money, we believe, than any NFL player. What are people around the league saying about this historic coaching contract, particularly, Adam, as it relates to its length in this day and age of pro football? Well, you're right, Michael. I don't think there's ever an NFL player who ever got $100 million in guarantees, certainly not close to that. And you have a situation here also with the Raiders paying Jack Del Rio for the next couple of years, they're going to backload the contract, which means by the time that John Gruden gets to Las Vegas, he won't be paying any taxes on that contract. So it's worth even more than it actually seems because you won't have to pay state tax in Nevada once the Raiders get to Las Vegas. Look, this is somebody the Raiders continually have targeted, gone after, pursued. They've brought up an ownership stake to him in the past. They've done it again. But in this particular case, they settled on a 10-year contract. The only other NFL coaches ever to get 10-year contracts were Tom Landry from the Dallas Cowboys in 1964 and Jimmy Johnson from the Dallas Cowboys in 1989. Once again, in 2018, now John Gruden is going to be getting a 10-year contract. And the last time he coached for the Raiders was in the game that you mentioned, in the Snowball Tuck Rule game back in January of 2002, 16 years ago. And now John Gruden's about to go back. He'll be introduced officially as the Raiders head coach on Tuesday. But first... There's the matter of being the color commentator for Saturday's ABC ESPN playoff game, Titans at Chiefs, which will be his final broadcast for ESPN. Yeah, division rival Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, Foxborough Stadium. I still remember shoveling my car out that night from that blizzard. And just to be clear, obviously no player's ever gotten $100 million. The reason I said uh, we believe, so he's getting every dime of this. There's, this, is, this is not one of those player contracts where it's like it's reported as $100 million, but it's got a little language or whatever to it. This is $100 million straight up backloaded so that he benefits from no taxes in Vegas is what you're telling us. 
Uh, Michael, listen, in the NFL, coaching contracts are guaranteed. guaranteed. Like NBA players' contracts are guaranteed. Like baseball players' contracts are guaranteed. This is like an Alex Rodriguez-type deal for John Gruden going into coaching for the team that he wanted to go back to. And the idea of the 10-year deal here was to make sure that he could retire one day as the Oakland Raiders head coach. That's the mindset of both sides as they enter into this agreement that John Gruden finishes up coaching with the team that obviously he helped make a name for when he coached there from 1998 to 2001 before Al Davis traded him to Tampa. And that's why I say this is no prenup. He ain't walking away from it, and they ain't eating that money. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. All right, now to the other big NFL story of the day. The Patriots were supposed to be immune to controversy, but as Seth Wickersham reports, there is a storm brewing between Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and Bob Kraft. Here's the Cliff Notes version of what Wickersham reported. The Globe reporting Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero, has had various team privileges stripped. Basically, he's not on the charter anymore, not on the sideline anymore. There have been rumors of friction between Guerrero and the team for a couple of years. So why is this happening now? After more than a dozen interviews with New England Patriots staffers, players, and executives with knowledge of the team's inner workings, it's become clear that tensions between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are threatening to fracture the Patriots' dynasty. One trigger for these tensions? Brady's trainer and business partner, Alex Guerrero. I'm so fortunate to have him not only as a friend, but everything that we've been able to do together. And Alex has been a huge, huge reason why you know, I'm still playing. As his access increased at Patriots headquarters in recent years, Guerrero and his TB12 alternative treatments have been a growing source of friction. Many players, especially newer ones, felt pressure to take part in TB12. It boiled over this fall when Belichick heard players asking themselves and each other, do we risk alienating the NFL's most powerful coach or risk alienating the NFL's most powerful quarterback? In December, the Boston Globe reported that Belichick had limited Guerrero's previously unfettered access, saying that Guerrero wasn't a team employee. But he allowed Guerrero to continue working with players who sought him out. How did you react when Bill told you that he was going to do that? Uh, I don't really agree with your question. So I don't know what you're talking about. How do you know what he said? Look, we have a lot of people that work for our team outside of the team. So I'm not going to go through a case-by-case of what everybody does. That would be impossible to do, and I'm not going to do it. Another fault line. Brady's desire to play into his mid-40s versus Belichick's plan to groom Jimmy Garoppolo as an eventual replacement. I was at an event with Tom Brady when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. And he walked up to me as a coach. I don't know why they're doing that. I plan on playing until I'm about 45. Brady saw Garoppolo as a threat. Belichick saw Garoppolo as the future. High-level meetings resulted in a mandate from owner Robert Kraft. Trade Garoppolo. The New England Patriots have traded quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. It is all on Brady for the foreseeable future. According to his friends, Belichick was furious. But in the end, he did what was asked. Brady seemed liberated. His new backup, Brian Hoyer, is no risk to Brady's starting job. As one team staffer said of Brady... He won. And the Patriots will head to the postseason with another first round bye. They have clinched the number one seed as well. The Patriots are still the Super Bowl favorite, but they are in uncharted territory now. There's a sense in Foxborough that this year or next will be the last run for Brady and Belichick. 
Of all the ironies about the Patriot Way, the biggest one is that a philosophy based on team only really needed two men to thrive. That's why it will be impossible to replicate should either of those men leave. Here is how the Patriots responded. Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady to Seth's story for the past 18 years. The three of us have enjoyed a very good and productive working relationship. In recent days, there have been multiple media reports that have speculated theories that are unsubstantiated, highly exaggerated, or flat-out inaccurate. The three of us share a common goal. We look forward to the enormous challenge of competing in the postseason and the opportunity to work together in the future, just as we have for the past 18 years. It is unfortunate that there is even a need for us to respond to these fallacies. As our actions have shown, we stand united. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Seth Wickersham, certainly lots to unpack here. One thing I'm just, I'm not quite clear on. So this meeting between Belichick and Robert Kraft that, as you reported, Belichick left uh, upset, in a word, correct? about having to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it was a mandate, a suggestion, an agreement, whatever. I always look at relationships and, and, and arrangements in terms of alternatives. If Belichick were upset, then what was his plan? Did he want to keep Garoppolo with the intention of tagging him and then trade him? Would he have cut Tom Brady at the end of this season and committed to Jimmy Garoppolo? We knew one had to go sooner or later. So if Belichick, according to your report, had gotten his way and not traded Garoppolo before the deadline for a second-round pick to the Niners— what would the long-term plan have been? Do you know? I don't know. I do know that when it happened, it went against everything the Patriots had been planning long-term. And everybody in the building was shocked because Bill had told people that Garoppolo wasn't going to be traded. And, you know, when you think about it for a second, it, it just makes so, it raises so many questions. Why does the NFL's most shrewd and smartest long-term strategist trade two quarterbacks in a two-month span when your starter was 40 years old and appearing on the injury report every week. Do they think they could just replace him in the draft? No, Maybe? I think that they were very invested in him. Yeah. And I think that when Jacoby Brissett in September was traded to the Colts, I think that it made them more invested in him. Mm. And they wanted to sign him to you know, an Osweiler type of deal. Mm. And um, you know, I think that a lot of factors were at play. Garoppolo and Brady sharing an agent. The fact that Garoppolo... Didn't, maybe didn't want to play there, which, you, you know, that's his prerogative. But There you go. And I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. Continue yeah. your thought. Because I, I was just, I'll, I'll go ahead. I was just going to say, Garoppolo had a lot of leverage in this. Mm -hmm. Because whatever they offered him, he didn't have to sign. So I also wonder if in that meeting, they just determined, look, he's not going to sign for what we want him to sign him for. We're going to lose him. Brady's playing better than we thought at age 40. Let's just go ahead and get the second round pick. Now, which at the time from San Francisco looked like, Close to a first. They didn't know they'd go 5-0. and oh. So maybe this was, to answer your question, I'm just spitballing about the, the shrewd you know, football mind that Belichick is. Maybe he said, let me get this now versus a compensatory pick in 19. Let me get the second rounder in 18, replace him in the draft, and go forward with Brady. The other thing I wanted to unpack from you real quick, Jamel, the other line that stood out to me about the play to Chris Hogan that got him hurt. Tom was trying to get it out quick, a Patriot staffer says. As fragility has increased, nervousness has also increased. So Brady wants to play for several more years. How much are they concerned about his level of play declining and maybe this plan backfiring in that respect that, hey, we can commit to Brady, but maybe he's not long for this level of play, even though he might be MVP this year? Well, what he's doing is unprecedented and what he's proposing to do is unprecedented. There's never been a quarterback who plays into his early 40s at a championship level. And it's been a hard year. You know, he's played well. Um, I think that internally, I think they feel like, that, like I said, you're sort of noticing these 
moments where his age is showing a little bit. He's been injured more, mispracticed more than a lot of people in the Patriots building can remember. He's also made some great throws, probably going to win MVP. And so it's been a strange season, to say the least. Yeah. Well, what stands out to me about this, too, is where does this lead Bill Belichick? Because he lost the battle. You know what I'm saying? Like, Tom Brady, if he, if, uh, obviously, according to your reporting, if he engineered Jimmy Garoppolo being traded uh, and it came down to an ego play, and Bill Belichick, if his, if the football minded him, and we've seen him over the course of his time, and I know you always used to say Tom Brady's going to be the one exception. I never thought Bill Belichick felt that way. Bob Kraft clearly does. But if he was of the mind to keep him and let him set up the franchise from years to come, and he loses that battle, and he has to deal with the wreckage of what the Patriots are left with. If you're Bill Belichick, doesn't this signal to you that maybe it's time for you to plot your exit? Because if you lose against Tom Brady, you're not going to beat him as long as he's there. You know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. a power struggle that you lost. And you're the head coach and GM and the architect of all of this. And so now the, the, the guy you identified to take over your franchise is, is gone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this answer will take a little bit of time, but... You know, I think that, first of all, like, I don't think that Brady forced the trade. You know, I think that it was higher levels. I just think he wanted to make clear that he was going to play longer. Right. But I think that... But he's you know, an impl- implicit well, message, he's, he's a powerful person in that building. But, like, yeah. you know, I think that Belichick has always subscribed to the theory that when the owner gets involved, it's time to go. And, and Kraft has stayed off, stayed hands and, off. And you think about Belichick, he wanted a legacy of leaving that team in good shape at quarterback, which Bill Walsh and Vince Lombardi and these guys never did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wanted them to win after he left. And now you wonder, like, where that stands. Yeah, I just know Belichick's no fool. Uh, Kraft's typically not a meddler, and Brady's not a baby. Like, they all want the same thing. It just feels like they can still get it together, working together well, people, going forward. Look, feels like we've seen other dynasties crumble. Oh, God. Chicago look, Bulls. Everything ends like, badly. Otherwise, <laughs> exactly, it wouldn't end. <laughs> we've seen it before. Well, they've been pretty good together, to your point about why break this up. Because let me familiarize you with the Patriots' success, because I'm sure you've forgotten uh, Brady, Belichick, and Kraft. <laughs> won five Super Bowl titles. Uh, there's also the 25-9 and nine record in the postseason. Brady has the most wins by a QB in the playoffs, and Belichick has the most by a coach in NFL history. And since Kraft became the owner in 1994, New England has won 70% of their regular season games. That is the best in the NFL. All right, another darn good NBA doubleheader on ESPN tonight, starting with Andrew Wiggins and the T-Wolves at the Celtics. Just please let it be a close game coming down the stretch. This matchup features two of this season's premier clutch time performers in Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler. Overall, Minnesota has the league's fifth most efficient offense, while the Celtics lead the NBA in defensive efficiency. And for what it's worth, Boston is 4-1 and this season against teams with the top five offense, including 4-0. and at home. But let's show some love to Jason Tatum in particular, your Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month for December. Would you believe me, Jamal, if I told you he's just the fifth Celtics player to win the award? What if I told you? <laughs> People used to think that was my voice. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy, this will be your second Celtics game in three days. What's impressed you most about Tatum's game at both ends? Well, I think when he came into the league, everyone expected him to be able to score. But his shooting ability... You know, he shot like 34 from three in college and a shorter line. And now being up uh, leading, like he's at 47, 48% from three, uh, I think that surprised everybody. His defensive ability, though, uh, his adjustment to NBA defense to me has been quick. And he is impactful because of his length. And he's got good lateral quickness. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Minnesota, fourth in the West, uh, looking to snap their 13-year playoff drought. Now, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, Jeff, 
But uh, as I said, making the playoffs would be a big deal in Minnesota. But from what you've seen, is this group capable of making noise once it gets there? And if so, why? Well, they're two games in the last column behind San Antonio for third right now. I think they have in the Western Conference, they're 20-6 and six against the Western Conference. So they've played well against the competition that they're going to face in the playoffs. Uh, they can score at an extremely high level. Jimmy Butler is playing MVP type of basketball. And so I think offensively, their game will translate into the playoffs. I think the concern is defensively, can they hold up uh, in the playoffs? I think they have a lot of steps still to make defensively. Towns and Wiggins have got to catch up defensively if this team is to get to a Western Conference final. It's going to be a challenge because you've got elite teams in both Golden State and in Houston. But Minnesota has very good offensive players, and they play very, very well together. All right, Jeff Van Gundy, look forward to hearing from you at the top of the hour. Timberwolves hey, at by Celtics. The way, by the way, I just want to say this. If you have dissension and you're 13-3, and three, all power to you. You know what I'm saying? That's not dysfunctional. Uh, <laughs> Alabama knows. Yes, they you do. Know, so first Georgia. world problem. We'll talk about college football championship in a second. Georgia, Alabama, what does that sound like for a national championship? SEC, SEC. Save it against Smart. I'm sure it'll be a great, great football game. Big bad Bama. They look angry. They're just ferocious at the line of scrimmage. Georgia gets to go home to Atlanta. Georgia had to spend everything. It's also going to be chaotic and crazy in their home state. Batman versus Superman. We the one they talking about. We the one. We the one. We the one they talking about. We the one. We the one they talking about. Now we got to focus on trying to finish. Two ACC teams going at it. I'm all ready to get after it. Let's see who wins it all. It'll be fun. All right, the 6 at 6 rolls on. Coming up, Jeff Goodman checks in from Lithuania to tell us how LaMelo and LiAngelo Ball fared at their first practice. But first, let's get to this title game because I'm hyped. Uh, and there you see Georgia speeding on the I'm about to say, that's kind of fast. Yeah. <laughs> Slow down. They're probably in the fast path. And they got a police escort. Okay, okay, okay. So they, they got an escort, yeah, they so they'll get there on time because you know how that Atlanta traffic can certainly be. But should be an exciting one. And I know a lot of people will be thrilled at this game, including our very own Maria Taylor, who joins us now here on The Six. Uh, Maria, you just got back from Georgia's practice. Um, we've heard this that a thousand times, so let's hear it again for the thousand first time. Nick Saban is 11-0 against former assistants in head coaching matchups. What makes Kirby Smart think that he won't be the 12th former assistant to take an L against his old <laughs> boss? Well, I think what I've learned after visiting practice is that Kirby Smart has put in place Nick Saban's architect, and that means you keep everything the same. So this entire week, after they landed from Pasadena, they went right, right into weights because that is a normal week for them. They're pretending like today is Wednesday. So they have one more practice, and they plan on returning back to Athens after spending media day here in Atlanta tomorrow morning. So Kirby Smart using a little bit of that home field advantage, only 70 miles away is their indoor facility, and he wants to keep things the same as much as possible. We are right outside of, or inside of the Hyatt Regency Atlanta, where George is expected to pull up any moment now. Uh, and Kirby Smart says that he just wants his guys to be watching film when they're on the bus and recover as much as they can while they're in the hotel room, Jamel. All right. Well, thanks a lot for that report, Maria. And I know as a Georgia grad, look, your turn up better be extra real if Georgia wins this national title, right? I mean, if they leave a camera on me, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a pro, so I'll be unbiased until the end. All right. Stay away from Magic City. Kidding. <laughs> she already been stuck on TNT and whatnot. Uh, now to the regulars around these parts, as in the site of the national title game, Alabama concluded what for them is a familiar routine 
uh, with their final practice today before boarding a flight from Birmingham to Atlanta. While at home on this stage, should they win practically a road game against Georgia, the Tide would bring home its fifth national title in nine seasons, and Nick Saban would tie Bear Bryant for the most by a head coach in the poll era with six. Uh, ask the Tide, though, they should already have that title in hand. Tom Rinaldi here to provide perspective on how Alabama is handling the recent past and the immediate present. Tom. Michael, how are you doing? I'll tell you, the plane is sitting on the runway as we speak in Birmingham. To no one's surprise, scheduled to actually leave 10 minutes early. Who do you think gave that directive? I think you know it would be Coach Saban. The Tide wrapped up its final practice in Tuscaloosa working in shells. And to echo Maria's report on what would typically be a game week Wednesday, their only practice this week in which they worked out in full pads was held on what would be a game week Tuesday yesterday. They will arrive here, that's the present tense, but carrying certainly a strong piece of the past with them. Yes, they were able to beat Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, but speaking to a number of players yesterday, Michael, they all echoed the fact that it wasn't beating a team, it was the loss of the opportunity in the national championship. That's the drive and motivation they will carry with them when they arrive here between 7.30 and 8 o'clock Eastern time tonight here in Atlanta, Michael. Tom Rinaldi with the latest on the tide. Thank you, man. All right, Derrick Henry will get an opportunity to redeem himself since Titans running back DeMarco Murray has been ruled out of tomorrow's wild card game against the Chiefs because of a torn MCL in his right knee. Now, Henry called his performance against the Jags last week, quote, kind of soft, and now he'll get to make amends against the Chiefs team that has won four in a row. And with that, we welcome in the freezing Dan Graziano, who joins us live from Kansas City. I hope you at least got some Gates or Dickies barbecue out of this. Um, since 1994, Dan, Kansas City is 1-9 in the playoffs, including five straight losses at Arrowhead. Titans haven't won a playoff game since 2003. So right now, which team is in the better position to end their playoff win drought and why? Well, I think I'd have to say Kansas City since they're at home. I mean, we're here in the Arrowhead Stadium parking lot where you know there's going to be a bunch of barbecuing going on tomorrow afternoon, a lot of tailgating, and then rowdy fans packing that famously loud stadium behind me. So Kansas City's in a position where they're at home and they're the more experienced playoff team. This is four times in the last five years that they have reached the playoffs under Andy Reid. I talked to a bunch of their players yesterday. They really think that that's to their advantage because they have a better sense of how fast the game is this time of year and the different kinds of pressures you face once you get to the playoffs. All right, Dan, go get some hand warmers. Thank you. I'm hip to your hustle. What? Shout out restaurants. Get yeah, the hookup yeah. when you go. Uh, NFL playoffs start on ABC. You know how to do. <laughs> ESPN and ABC Saturday <laughs> wildcard game at 420. Again, Titans Chiefs. Our coverage starts with postseason NFL countdown at 3 Eastern. Guess what we all needed? Big baller brand going international. Very warm reception they've received from the people of Lithuania. But, of course, LaMelo and Leangelo, they're there for basketball reasons. And our own Jeff Goodman caught up with LeVar Ball prior to his son's first practice with their new team. My boys ain't nervous. Y'all trying to make them be nervous. They're nervous playing basketball. They're in Lithuania. I don't give a hell if we was on the moon. Come on. We playing basketball. See, y'all soft. Y'all soft. Y'all go somewhere and be like, oh, we're away from home. I can't believe it. We're in the gym. We can go to Timbuktu and play in the same gym and be the same thing. (laughs) Jeff Goodman, the unofficial Ball family biographer. Thanks for joining us uh, from Lithuania. Hard not to laugh at LeVar Ball sometimes and his antics. But you were there for his son's first practice. So tell us, what was it like? 
the first practice was interesting. I mean, LaMelo Ball is a kid who is known for shooting 40-footers. And throughout the practice, uh, the coach's son told me that he didn't take any shots from deep. And we watched about the first 30 minutes, and he didn't make a lot of shots, but he really was trying to get his teammates involved. And you could tell uh, that was his priority as much as anything. Uh, I felt like Leangelo Ball was far more comfortable in his surroundings, which is to be expected because he's 19. But both guys really, they seem to connect with the players well on this team, and the players really seem to try to uh, connect well with them and welcome them in and help the coach who doesn't speak a lot of English uh, be able to you know, talk to him and uh, communicate well. All right. Now, of course, uh, their first game is Tuesday. I'm sure there's a lot of anticipation. So what do you expect that reception to be like when they finally play on Tuesday? You know, you, you go into this gym, and it, it's a small, it looks like kind of a, a very nice high school gym, 1,700 people. It's already sold out. Uh, there's a huge buzz here. There was a news conference after the first practice uh, filled with local media. And I asked the, the woman next to me, I said, have you ever seen anything like this? And she said, really, the last time she saw this was when the prime ministers from uh, Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania held a joint uh, press conference there. So uh, this has taken the area by storm. So everybody in Lithuania, even the American players here, Chris Kramer, uh, Jimmy Barron, uh, Aaron White, everybody knows that the Ball brothers are here and everybody's interested to see if they're playing, when they're playing, how much they're going to play, and most of all, how effective they're going to be. All right. Uh, thank you, Jeff, so much. I can't believe that this is like the Beatles or something or some smaller version. Not saying they're the Beatles, but you know what I mean. Uh, but anyway, enjoy the rest of your trip there in Lithuania. Sweet Georgia peaches. Sliced, sugared, and baked make for some perfect afternoon treat. Pulled straight out of the oven. Warm. Crumbly and topped with cold vanilla ice cream. My heavens. This cobbler will sure fix you up, right? As delicious as the peach cobbler is, the sweetest treat will come on Monday night when Alabama and Georgia square off for the national championship. Welcome back to Sports Center from Atlanta. Our position is in Centennial Olympic Park, just across the street from that big Ferris wheel. Sports Center on the road is confidently presented by Rocket Mortgage from Quicken Loans. The Crimson Tide and Georgia both with short trips. Georgia making the 70 mile or so trip from Athens into Atlanta arriving at the Hyatt Regency about 631. They will spend the night here, have media day tomorrow, which is the last opportunity to hear from the players. Then Georgia's going back to Athens, practice in their home facility, be able to sleep in their own beds for another night. About 6.10 Eastern Time, 5.10 in Birmingham, the Crimson Tide buses rolled into the airport. We are expecting them to land in Atlanta just after 7 o'clock Eastern Time as the Tide makes it to the national championship game for the third consecutive year. And certainly there is some buzz and anticipation in the city of Atlanta as the dogs are playing for a national championship for the first time in 37 years. Haven't played for one in 35. They won it 37 years ago behind Herschel Walker. If they're going to do so again this year and knock off Alabama, they're going to have to be effective in their running game. And it's something that Georgia has done extraordinarily well. The dogs, particularly outside the tackle, Averaging seven yards per carry, that's fourth best among Power 5 teams, yet no team 
stops opponents from getting outside better than Alabama, allowing just 3.5 yards per rush. Big discrepancy in a lot of the Georgia rushing statistics in any way you want to break down the Alabama rush defense. Joey Galloway and Booger McFarland joining me now. But one of the problems perhaps for Alabama against this is the loss of Anthony Jennings, who is important in setting the edge and was lost to injury in the Clemson games. The tide has to find a way to overcome yet another injury on defense. No doubt that they have to figure out a way to replace that production. And Anthony Gen- Jennings was very productive because he set the edge. He used his athleticism, blocked the offensive tackle. He got in the backfield and he made a ton of plays. They're going to have to figure out a way. But thankfully, because they're Alabama, they got a lot of five-star guys and they have other guys that can come up and step up. When you talk about the run game, it's about numbers. Can they figure out a way to get the numbers up? If you look against Clemson, all they did was be athletic. They closed. They got around child blocks. They were able to make plays and get into the backfield. When you talk about Christian Miller, when you talk about guys that can come off the bench and get out there and make plays, no doubt about it, Alabama will have enough guys, even though Anthony Jennings is not playing. And all season long, the concern when you watch Georgia play was Jake Fromm. Yes. Young quarterback. He, he steps in. It wasn't a starter. Takes over for Easton. Could they develop this young quarterback? And he wasn't throwing the ball a lot. Yeah. And so you're saying, okay, how can this guy get ready to play and become a quarterback that can carry your team if he's going through games throwing the ball first times. Jake Fromm has arrived. Yeah. Whoever had that plan, it worked out because Jake Fromm was special in this game against Oklahoma. Late in this game, this is in the fourth quarter, they need a play. Jake Fromm steps up, avoids the rush, and keeps his eyes downfield and finds a check down. Mm. That is big league next level stuff when you're asking your young quarterback to not just avoid the rush, but to step up, keep your eyes downfield, and find a check down. He can be a difference maker in this game for Georgia. You know what he's done great in the latter stages of the season, and particularly well against Oklahoma? He was effective on first down. Against Oklahoma on first down, 9 out of 10, Six first downs picked up and a touchdown pass on first down. That opens up the opportunities in the Georgia running game. I know you're looking at a Ferris wheel, but when you're dealing with the Tide and the Dogs, their Ferris wheel is pretty much going to stay on top for a long time, Michael and Jamel. All right, guys, that's Monday night, but that's for tonight. Looking good, Jimmy Buckets. All I want is for this game to come down to the wire to see him and Kyrie go at it in clutch. Here's another fun stat. Jimmy Butler proclaims himself as the best base player in the NBA. Well, he ain't played us. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of clutch and the Celtics, Paul Pierce, when he gets honored, he wants him to be honored by himself. No company. Listen, on February 11th, night I get my jersey retirement, I'm not sure I want to look up at the jumble trying to see Isaiah highlights. Bro, you after all the years I night, put in. You don't need to share that with nobody. You know, I had a chance to watch Kobe's and throughout the game, the timeouts, it was a lot of tribute videos for him, and I enjoyed to watch that throughout the game. Now, hopefully, you know, the Boston Celtics would do that for me. I'm not sure if I want to see an Isaiah video that night. Paul Pierce joining us now. <laughs> Smiling. <laughs> I know, look at you, you ready to go in. Uh, have you heard from the Celtics since you said what you said uh, yesterday? Um, yeah, we had a chance. We had a little bit of dialogue, and we talked about it. And, uh, you know, it's not every day you get your jersey retired. You know, this is a, a once-in-a-lifetime deal. And to me, this is like the crowning achievement for me on uh, my career and what I was able to accomplish over my 19 years. So I just think it's only right, you know, just to have a night to myself to be honored and go up in the Raptors. Yeah, not that you need my approval, uh, Truth, but I actually agree with you. Uh, now, Jimmy <laughs> Butler has been one. Uh, he's been with the T-Wolves. Uh, and, and check out this stat. He's one of five players to average 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists per game since the start of December. And the other four 
are all MVPs. Russ, LeBron, Katie, Steph Curry. Uh, we're starting to hear MVP talk for Jimmy Butler. What do you think about that? I think Jimmy Butler has definitely established himself as an elite player. You know, we didn't know how he would kind of mesh with the young guys, knowing that Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins, these guys were the leading scorers. But it seems like he waited like 15, 20 games, and he's like, all right, guys, I gave you all a chance. It's time for me to step up as the leader of this team and take over. And ever since he's been doing that, they've been playing well, they've been winning, and he's been looking like an MVP candidate. All right, Paul, thanks for joining us. And since you cheated spades, I'm sure you love it. <laughs> when are we going to get our spades game back? <laughs> you cheated. Me and you beat cheated. Too, no, so. you cheated. You cheated. You, no, way. no, the truth no is way. a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, Paul. All right, we return to our top story today. John Gruden has secured the bag. According to Adam Schefter, Gruden will sign the longest coaching deal in NFL history, a 10-year deal that is expected to approach $100 million. The Raiders are expected to announce Gruden as their next head coach at a Tuesday press conference. What I'm really trying to say is, can I borrow five dollars? Uh, now, one of Gruden's first projects would be to fix Derek Carr, who took a step back in 2017, throwing for fewer touchdowns and more interceptions. But maybe it was fate for Gruden to be Car- uh, Carr's QB whisperer. Derek Carr was one of the QBs that Gruden hosted in his QB camp prior to the NFL draft. Peak what he said to Carr back in 2014 before the Raiders selected him in the second round. No Bortles? I do. I do. I've gotten, I got to know him at the Combine a little bit. I'm studying him. He's a junior. He's a big guy. Kind of reminds me of Roethlisberger. Bridgewater, you know Teddy? Yep, got to know him as He's well. He's another junior coming out early. Does a lot of good things. Very productive. Johnny Football, you know him? Yes, sir. Yep. Another junior coming out? Yes, sir. I mean, you're six foot three, 220 pounds. You run four six. You got a great pedigree with your brother. You sure. call all the plays in college, and you average 50 points a game. What's wrong with all the hmm. the, re- the reading I've done? I don't see your name up here in these mock drafts. <laughs> Is there something I'm missing? No, sir. Is Good. there a flaw, a, a dramatic flaw? No, sir. Yeah, there's two different kinds of perceptions of me. You know, there's one in the media, and then there's one that matters. You know, there's uh, you know the ones the, the ones that I'm getting from the coaches, the GMs. That kind of perception is a lot different than the one you hear on TV. So, you know, we'll find out on draft day. You think people are associate maybe my maybe his brother wrote, yeah. really wasn't a dramatic smash hit, right? Maybe a little bit of a disappointment. Played at Fresno, just like Derek. Same, same, same. Right. Ah, we'll get him a little later. You think maybe there's some of that? Maybe, but you know, we'll change that perception, you know, real quick. You know, one thing you're going to get with me is you're going to get a fifth year guy who's mature. You're going to get a guy who can lead through adversity. Do it for each other. Do not do one thing out there alone. You ain't out there alone. You can't go out there and be soft. What impresses me the most about Carr is the way he throws the ball and the way he passes it with accuracy, touch, timing. He can throw the rock. So you're going to have two balls. I'm going to have, have you hit that target. 18 yards deep, right down the inside edge of the pro numbers. Yep. Did he hit that one? Well, there's a lot of talk out there about the big three in this draft. Bridgewater, Bortles, Manziel, for good reason. Not a lot of people talking about the fifth-year senior Derek Carr out of Fresno. I don't understand. Jesus, grind me. That's really good. I think he has as good an arm talent as I've seen in the last couple years. I'll bet you 100 bucks he can't hit that target again. He's got six foot three size, 220 pounds. Runs just over four six. Incredible production. Who is this guy? It's so crazy. I'm not concerned about him going in the first round. 
I think you could make a case for him going number one overall. He's got that kind of arm talent. It's rare. All right, now tonight at midnight on SportsCenter, I'm sure they'll be talking about that. John Gruden, that is also breaking down the national title game and the Cavs Celtics. Yo, this is like two seconds, I want to say, Sharks Maple Leafs, okay? Joe Thornton got into it. With, yeah, lost his beard. Ooh. But now Zim Kadri lost, lost a little bit of, not the whole beard. That'd be impressive. Just a little bit of the beard, which ended up getting recovered. One way to shave, I guess. No. <laughs> sort of. No. Way to cut down the hair. And like a good hockey fight, especially when there's face So hair. quick, too. Yo, Shaq played too much. <laughs> so Maria Taylor was on. They she was. having so much fun with the national title game. Tim Tebow on. And then, uh, you know, Chuck got a bad hip, you know. That was just unfair, right? So they, Jack, look, they look for excuses to fight. They do. Like, Can't what take they, them nowhere. They need to go in the ring. I just want to know, TNT, wh- where's our invite? Like, do we get an invite? I think Joe kind of writes itself. <laughs> like, I'm all for self-deprecating humor, but that, you kind of leave leaving us hanging for that. Maria got on there, Tim Tebow, what? We can't do this? Maybe you on Maria level, not quite me. Uh, Derek Rose, he's been out of the Cavs lineup for nearly two months. I legit forgot he played for them. With a left ankle injury, uh, but there's a chance he'll return to action during the team's current five-game road trip. Here's Ty Lue addressing D Wade having to give some of his workload to Rose. Yeah, I talked to him. Like, yeah, I mean, 50 years old. <laughs> you know, so sometimes you just don't have it, you know. And um, but we're not, you know, with all the guys being out, we just don't have the luxury right now. So um, we've talked about it, and he understands it, and he's for it. I call him Frankie Beverly and Mays, but yeah, hey, 50. Uh, so, Paul Joe, it happens, man. Baker Mays, he was out of uniform. And you can tell by the, the lukewarm hands. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. it was like, ah. They made up on Twitter, though. Yeah. But, yo, like, Paul George looked good last night. He did. They look good in general. All the confusion about whether or not he's, you know, loves LA, got one foot out the door. He said last night, look, loving that place and playing, that's two different things. But him and Baker Mayfield, not their not buddies. Look, we all see athletes before they're about to leave a place. They always have glowing praise. They can go have double decker couches and, and watch TV and be buddies. So, <laughs> so best thing I've seen all day. Uh, Thunder, as you mentioned, finally hitting their stride, won eight out of 10. And after last night's game against the Clippers, check out the post game celebration, which caught Melo by surprise. To figure out exactly what they was doing. Oh, mother! I was kind of hoping we missed the bleep. Really? <laughs> to be honest with you, for <laughs> anybody, if you watch Carmelo, he cusses every rebound. Do y'all hear him when he grabs the rebound? I do. Okay, so he got no regard for the TV mics. No judgment here on my part, by the way. Shouldn't be. People who throw, people who live in glass houses, do not throw bricks. That is it for us on the six. Also, it unfortunately for Shri Raman, one of our favorite staffers here. His last day, Shri. Thank, thank you for everything, you. and most importantly, go Cubs. That's his team, right? All right, that's it for us. Bye. Celtics Timberwolves is next once again.